Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central only on PBS. And there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 143 of the No Encore Music Podcast. It's my last normal episode of the year because I won't be here next week. In my stead, handsome man himself, John Barker, will be returned to the guest host slot. There you go. We can all enjoy that. But uh, and after that, it's Listmas, guys. We'll be we'll be be hitting Listmas season in the last couple episodes of the year. People might be wondering, you know, it's the end of November. Where are the lists? Because everyone else has put out their fucking list. But we don't work that way, do we, Craig? No, we wait till the end of the year. We take our time. It's a considered opinion. Um, And there might be a kind of surprises with the format this time. We might switch it up. Yeah, I'm getting a bit nervous about it because I realize it's been a busy year and I'm starting my lists and I'm going, oh, Jesus, Mm -hmm. I'm going to figure this out. Yep, there's a lot going on and we're going to try and change the format a little bit and see how that goes. And there's much to discuss in the coming weeks. So, yeah. So just so you know, listener, you have this episode of No Encore. You'll have next week with John Barker and a special guest as well. Mm. And then the following two episodes at the end of the year. Right around the time, kind of sandwiched in between the middle or before or after the quiz that's coming up. 
Uh, it will be the last episode of the year. The best songs and the best albums of 2018. Yeah. And then we'll do our customary little break, I think, and we'll come back for season four. Do you think... Just if we a, haven't been cancelled. As, as a kind of spoiler, do you think it's been a good year overall? Because I was saying it was a few weeks ago and you were saying, I don't know, it's been busy, but I don't know I would go been... as far as to say it's been a bad year. Really? I think it's been... Okay, I think it's been a bad year for movies. I think it, I haven't watched any, any, any TV, really, but this is a music podcast, yeah, so we'll talk about that. Say, politically, I mean, culture, it's been a I, I think it's been a poor year for culture, and I think music-wise, it's been it's been poor. Yeah. I think it's been subpar. I don't know. But that doesn't okay. mean that I don't like what I like. And we'll get there. Right. And there's three other people, two of whom aren't here this week. We, Save it for the pod. There's no <laughs> there's no Dahio Drawing this week. No. There's no Cool Morrigan this week. The four man power crew has Which, has been going <laughs> We had such expectations for <laughs> and we've had about what, two episodes together? <laughs> two or three, I think. Yeah. It's been going great, hasn't it? But that's fine because you know what you do in these moments when yeah. you realise there's oh, what are we gonna do? You know, you you call an audible, Craig. Yeah, and you bring in a, an A-list friend of the show, and that's why to my left, to your right, it's Zara Hederman. Hey! Stuck in the middle with you. Pretty much the Fellaini of the podcast, I think. Better hair. It's not always starting, but you know, usually wins a force in the end. Up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Better hair. A pad at the start. I said not always there at the start. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this is a bad start. Whoa. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Zara. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Now you've done another podcast recently, in which you've recorded your end of the year stuff. I have. What? Yeah. So Zara's like already done her list. That's right. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to check yeah, that out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Do you think it's been a good year or a bad year for music, or indifferent? I think it's been a very interesting year for music. Um, That's it, not what he asked. <laughs> I'm about to explain. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, She's a renegade, Craig. Let her go. In terms of say Irish music, I think it's been great for say returning artists like with O Emperor, Paddy Hanna, and um, they mm. had great albums. There wasn't a whole lot of debut Irish albums apart from say maybe like Spy, Saint Sister that I thought were amazing um, so in that way I think there was like a bit of an imbalance for maybe Irish music internationally I had quite a number of albums that I really I th- it was an al- it was a year where there was albums that came out that I really really loved mm-hmm. or else really really co- like loathed <laughs> like there was no for me there was very little no middle in between brain. yeah okay, well a, a sprinkling but are you like, saying it was the year of no sevens <laughs> <laughs> Could have been the year no seventh. Yeah. Interesting. Zara mentions uh, uh, an act there in that gr- that cluster, that group who are both returning and put out a debut album. They're called Spies, and there are guests on the show later on today, so you'll enjoy that. And we'll also be reviewing the new album from the 1975, which many people have said is the millennial we'll answer that. to OK Computer. Don't do it. Oh, he said it. <laughs> no. And we'll get there. It's called A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships. It's it's the hottest album of the week. Of the month, maybe. Maybe even of the year? We'll get there. We'll get there. But what year? Well, we'll, we'll get there. Hold, hold your applause. <laughs> but first, Zara, uh, you've been embarking on a bit of a project. I have. You've been watching all of the Rocky films for the first I time. I have, yeah. Um, so this began, I'm going to say, maybe three weeks ago. I took myself to the cinema after work to go to see... Now this is a very strange entryway into the Rocky films in that I went I t- went to the cinema to go see A Star Is Born, <laughs> <laughs> and one of the trailers beforehand was for Creed Two, and I got really caught up more so in the Kendrick, like um, I got I got I yeah got exactly cut into like him doing some boxing yeah it's quite an effective I, trailer and I was by myself as well and I got really caught up in this and I was like. 
this seems didn't know what the hell was going on in the trailer but I was like this seems absolutely incredible so um I said to uh David Tapley I was like can we please watch the Rocky films because I would actually really love to see Creed 2 and his face lit up like, like a Christmas fucking Christmas morning. tree. Yeah, <laughs> now, I, I, like I, I'm aware of the earlier Rocky stuff. I think I jumped back on for Rocky Balboa. There's about eight Rocky films, isn't there? No, okay, yeah, so I, including I, Greed. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so I have just as of Tuesday night, I think it was, uh, I watched Rocky Five. Okay, I yeah. Um, that I, was sorry. That was like the 1990. That was the one before the long hiatus, wasn't yes. it? Yeah, okay, yeah, sorry, yeah. I, um. So the first one I loved. Second one I fell asleep during the fight. Uh third third one I fell asleep during the fight, but I woke up in time to see um Apollo Creed and Rocky, you know, swing one out in the ring at the end, only to turn into a painting which is absolutely incredible. And, and now I hangs would, in your bedroom. <laughs> no, like, I would absolutely... Because in my house, I in we have two bathrooms. And in one bathroom, we have a pretty woman painting. And in the other, we have a dirty dancing painting. So wow, genuinely, cool. I actually would be on the hunt for this painting. And it's close to Christmas. Then you watched... Uh, keeping it consecutive, you watched Rocky Four, Which was one of the best films I've seen. Cocaine the film. Is that the one where he fights Hitler? No. What? no. It's basically... <laughs> Rocky Four is astonishing. It's a it montage is, uh, movie. It's incredible. It has about three montages in it, taking clips from other films. It has uh, the vicious murder of Apollo Creed. Yeah. Spoilers for Rocky Four. Uh, a robot. <laughs> I can't believe you just spoiled And lots of... Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> and an insane soundtrack. It was the 80s. It's... Like, I... Buckaroo. <laughs> one thing that I didn't expect at all from my rock, watching Rocky murder. journey was how emotional they are oh, it gets I pretty cried intense. so much during Rocky 2 like I found that very upsetting while you were asleep was it no this was before I fell asleep <laughs> cried yourself to sleep I did <laughs> <Rocky> so <laughs> <laughs> the only way for it was a bit of a nap <laughs> uh, Rocky 4 as well I cried Rocky f- Rocky 5 really irritated me it's a bad film it's awful but Tom Machine Gun Tommy Gun Tommy Gun not to be confused with the porn star of the same name, who featured on a Louis Theroux documentary. And it's also quite poignant, and a character. Craig, Craig and I thought was we were like, that's really, he's really, oh, he's really, he's really lonely Yeah, and he's sad. just looking for love. Even though he, <laughs> it, it's a weird such a grim documentary. It made me so angry how Tommy uh, diso- or, um, disrespected and turned his back on Rocky for his car, like... <laughs> uh, but the fight scene at the end is just remarkable. And then fight, Mickey coming back. Mickey yeah. loves you. Mickey, oh yeah, Mickey. Mickey loves, Mickey's yeah. gone after like the second one. Isn't Mickey's he? dead He's now. Gone early yeah, days. Yeah, like, the actor's yeah. gone. They're all yeah. gone. Uh, <laughs> is so it the second one or is it the third one? You have three films left. You have Rocky Balboa, which was the 2006 comeback, which I thought which was, was shockingly good. Yeah. yeah. Oh really? I, I it it's really good. Oh, you're gonna love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh. then you have Creed, which is excellent. Yeah. And Sloan yeah. is brilliant in it. And then Creed Two, I've yet to see because I slept through the press screening because I was hungover. And I hear it's only okay. And you've I thought, seen Creed Two. I haven't. I missed it. Oh. But I hear it's only okay. I hear it's grand. Lower your expectations. But Creed is very good. Yeah, I'm very excited. And Rocky Balboa is quite decent as well. Look, so. it's been great. If anyone hasn't seen the Rocky movies, I highly, highly recommend it. Okay, that's good. Uh, thank you for the film review corner. I'm glad that it was back for this special episode. And now into the news this week. Uh, a bit of a hodgepodge, Craig, to the point where we don't know where to start. Let's start with this one. Uh, Brexit. Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Craig is Patrick's favourite. Closer to home than I thought. Favourite topic. Uh, famously, Craig told us two years ago that uh, when, he, when he worked for News Talk as a business journalist, yes. Craig said, it it's ain't not happening, not lads. Happening. 
<laughs> as what we, was the other thing that you said wasn't going to happen? Um, oh, there was something else where, like, yeah, yeah, you're basically like some kind. I of, didn't think you're an Ostradamus. Uh, did figure. I not say um, Hillary Clinton wouldn't be elected? I believe that was no, it. Maybe I can't remember. I but like, was there something I was wrong about? Stop making big statements. Not a big list. But, uh, <laughs> heavy metal godfather Ozzy Osbourne has done a new interview. Yeah, he knows. He's given out about lots of things, including the Kardashians, which is boring, and he doesn't know what Brexit is. Or what it means. Yeah. Now, to be fair, you know, isn't this, a lot of us don't know what it means. First of all, Ozzy Osbourne's probably lived in LA for about 40 years at this point. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, he's Ozzy Osbourne, so he doesn't know what a lot of things are. But he was, yeah, asked in this interview with The Big Issue about the whole Brexit situation, and he admitted that he didn't have a clue what was going on. He responded, people keep going on, on at me about it. Uh, is it a big deal over there? What will happen with it? Are people voting in or out? So you missed that bit. What's going on? I don't read the newspapers, and I don't really talk politics because I don't really know. I don't really understand Brexit. Right. Which is fair. I mean, he's a rock star in his 70s Why that lives in America. doesn't really concern him anymore. I wouldn't be looking to Ozzy Osbourne for... It's it's almost refreshing because you see so many like um, rich British tax exiles um, with big opinions about all the people coming to live in their country. Um, amongst them, I guess, Morrissey. Do you know what I mean? And even his own wife, um, Sharon Osbourne, has previously talked about you know how she was very much for the Leave campaign and talking about there's too many people in this tiny country talking about classrooms and the NHS and stuff. She really has no nothing to do with at this point in time she so. was a judge on x factor yeah right? so she's in a good position to judge these things totally, yeah. yeah she's she trained well trained sarah yes what's your favorite christmas song um wham last christmas that's a good answer craig what's yours probably the same or um i love a bit of slade i'm fond of let it snow but I'm not really fond of Christmas or the songs that accompany it. And one song I've never jived with is Fairy Tale of New York. Now, a lot of people love that song. I think it's garbage. Now, this is the thing. I, I take umbrage with this because Craig is literally I think pointing his finger okay, at me right occasionally now. Occasionally, like you song. conflate Thank you. your hatred of people that like things <laughs> and scenarios where things occur with the actual thing itself. So, for example, okay, I agree. Well, Everything are you, surrounding... Sorry, are you my therapist? <laughs> <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I've analysed you, Dave, and uh, I, found, do. I, I, I found you wanting. I totally agree with you. I hate this thing of just like, you know, when you started going out or going to nightclubs, around Christmas time, every terrible nightclub or every dreadful pub you get stuck in ends the night with... It's Christmas Eve, yeah. and just every o- mm. asshole you've ever it's met. It's forced in your life fun, and also while I'm at it, can we lose the f bomb, please? Oh, the yeah. yeah. Well, the I mean, homophobic. They shouldn't slur. have to re-record it <laughs> at well, this point. Well, they can't. Yeah. Well, at least they, at least um, Shane McGowan and his now wife. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to bring it back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Victoria the- Mary Clark, who got married this week, at least they didn't walk up the aisle to that song. Instead, listener, they walked up to Johnny Depp attempting to sing the Pogue song "A Rainy Night in Soho," to which a befuddled McGowan <laughs> stopped him. And there's a quote here that said, he said, stop, I don't want to hear it. But then he did Astro Weeks, which was absolutely gorgeous. But the whole album. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Every part. He's like Dave Grohl now. But like, I just find this relationship between Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp and Shane, and Shane McGowan so bizarre. I, like. I don't he, like it. But I Johnny, don't, sorry, Johnny sorry. Depp has loads of those kind of relationships where he... Marilyn Manson. Yeah. He, best pals. And um, I believe Did he was you not really good that? friends with. Best friends. <laughs> he was really good friends with Tom Petty. Um, he was, I think, considered for a long time his best friend was Hunter S. Thompson. He just seems to kind of really resonate with these older rockers or people but, that have you 
know, had a self-destructive streak. Well, that makes sense because he did. Did he own the Viper room? Yeah, yes, yeah. He so he, and like he goes on about like how much he loves music and stuff. But I just, I think he wanted to be a rock well, star. He did, yeah. Well, I think he he's still in, is he's in, in the, the Hollywood band. vampires, guys. Yeah. Course, yeah. <laughs> and we should also note that he's wildly problematic and has done some really fucked up shit that we don't approve. He's of. thrown stuff around and all he's sorts. Fucking guilty. <laughs> he's, like, I don't know. Allegedly, I mean, like, but we yeah. all know that like, he's done some really fucked up shit. That's not cool. I wonder what the afters of the wedding was like because they got married Jesus. in Copenhagen was it? Yeah I believe so What uh, I can't believe is that uh, Shane McGowan's new wife and again congratulations to the pair uh, spoke to the Ryan Turbity show the following morning and she said like you know that she didn't do a speech because she lost her voice so she did a dance this sounds like I mean like and what would you expect from Shane McGann's wedding like but I mean yeah. I think it's quite sweet I mean they've been in such a long term relationship yeah. it's, she seems like a really anchoring um, force for him mm. um, and they seem to Against all odds, work really well together. Yeah. She, she has a sideline in offering angel guidance. Oh, I should no. note. I know this because of working on the <laughs> Hopper uh, yearbook. <laughs> no, it's when you like she's in the who's who, and you would try and find you know what she's been up to for the past year. So you'd go on her website, which is all about um, how speaking to angels can change your life. So if you want a consultation, Victoria is your woman. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to honeymoon on Mars, and if they do, if will they uh, pay a visit to the infamous Green Day microchip? What a link! There. What a link! Yeah. <laughs> will they, what? Hold on. What a sentence. Will they pay a visit to the infamous Green Day microchip? It's so wrap inf- up the show. It's so Forget <laughs> the 1975. It's, it's, uh, it's so infamous that uh, this week a, um, a fucking what was it? A probe NASA's, went to Mars. Yeah, the Insight Mars lander touched down on Mars. And there's a microchip with the inscription. Why does the microchip have an inscription? Was it a soldering iron? Green Day since 1986 was etched onto the chip. Which is such a okay. So you know you you grow up dreaming of space and you're highly intelligent person and you know you kind of ace all your classes and you go off to a really good college in the states and you you know you become a person who can etch things in microchips you're working for nasa something you've created is being sent to space and then to mars and your message to the world is to shout out green day and the year they started what i'd like to think that any kind of uh, (laughs) intelligent life would see that and basically do the Dan Aykroyd situation. You know, Dan Aykroyd uh, of Ghostbusters fame yeah. has claimed that uh, aliens do exist and, in fact, won't come to Earth and share their knowledge with us because of 9-11. He said, they saw what we <laughs> oh did God. and they said, fuck those guys. It sounds plausible. I'm not suggesting that Dan Aykroyd's insane or anything, but, like, you know. But when I- we really know 9-11 was an inside job carried out <laughs> by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> but I would love to know, one, like, how did this happen? How? It's got to be some guy who's like a fourth cousin of fucking their bass player. But or like, would you not be something about yourself? Like, I don't know. Yeah, make Green Day since '86. <laughs> but yeah. I well, mean, like, blade to them. But how did Green Day know as well? Like, because they announced it on their oh, they Twitter know. and they were like, like people fi- everywhere <laughs> a fi- uh, uh, on Mars apparently uh, officially landed on Mars. The group announced on their Twitter feed, "Out of this world." Mm. Like, what is it at the moment this year with musicians? Like aspiring to space, like Gavin James, your and boy Gavin Sky James, Lo- yeah. Tom DeLonge speaking to like top officials in the White House. Elon <laughs> like, Musk isn't a musician, but he's dating one, and he wants to go to Mars. He said that there's a. I believe he wrote the lyrics to her new song he just from listening to <laughs> well, it. We'll talk about that later on. <laughs> yeah. but he did say Boy. that there's a good chance of death, and we don't know if we can come back from Mars. So Mars is the new thing. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I would like to think that if I, if I okay, let's say if you're one of the privileged few, 
to get to go to Mars and escape this fucking burning hell planet that we're on. Yeah. Imagine if like your entertainment for the rest of your days was Green Day. I know. It, there's not a good track record of like music being sent into space or Mars. Like I think the first song that was broadcast from Mars was some like commissioned Will I Am track called <laughs> Right to the Stars, which you can just imagine is dreadful. Oh, not wow. good. In similar uh, grim news, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants creator Stephen Hillenburg passed away at the age of 57 this week. What's that got to do with music? Well, lots, because it turns out he designed the artwork for Beck's first album. Beck paid tribute on Facebook, said he was a genuinely sweet guy. Now, Craig, come to you first. Mm. SpongeBob SquarePants, ever watched it? I actually went to see the theatrical release of the film when it came out. You never go to the cinema. <laughs> I you know. Went, you went to this. I used, I used to go to the cinema before you knew me. <laughs> I, I used to see so much that I saw the SpongeBob SquarePants film. I don't understand. <laughs> I've, I've known you for seven years. Oh, man, the pop fucking from the cinema audience when Hasselhoff appeared. It was huge. Okay, right. I didn't know any of this and I don't know what to <laughs> have think. Have you never been to the cinema together? Me and Craig? Yeah. Not Craig, to see Spongebob. Craig and I. Actually, have we? I don't, I don't think, think so. we no, have. No, we no. keep it professional. Yeah. <laughs> I like to go to the cinema with uh, select people. Yeah. Okay. Big so, Higgs and Big Dohi. Big Higgs, yeah. And Dohi, yeah. That's <laughs> Two, it. People. Two people. Two yeah. people. <laughs> so, Zara, yes. uh, I happen to know that you were at least at one point a fan of the show to some degree. It traumatised you. I, yeah, I never liked SpongeBob SquarePants. You wasn't a fan. Wasn't. <laughs> some people are into that. You're a fan of this show to some degree. It traumatized some, you. Some yeah. people like to be unnerved, Craig. They do. That's true. I never liked SpongeBob SquarePants. It really scared me, um, because I just I I think I remember like one of the f- first th- times I watched it. There was an episode where maybe SpongeBob was sleep deprived or something. Oh yeah, and he goes and crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah really, it's like a Ren and Stimpy moment, like where he yeah Ren and Stimpy was fucked up. But I could handle yeah. that when I was I grew younger. Up with that and I thought it was bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I really loved Ren and Stimpy when I was younger because it was just so weird. But strangely, then, like, SpongeBob, like, Squidward also really scared me. And the porousness of Patrick. I didn't like <laughs> the it. Porousness of Patrick. <laughs> it's like, a I just, it really scared me. I always remember the, like, deranged look in Spongebob's eyes from the sleep deprivation in that episode it really stayed with me and I didn't like it at all well countless generations did love Spongebob so we should shout out to yeah. Steven Hillenberg um, and no age to go at no, uh, and yeah sad. a total cultural phenom- phenomenon to come up with I've never seen Spongebob Squarepants you're aware of I know what it is yeah, yeah. I, like, I totally understand that it exists yeah I've seen the iconic artwork stylings and, and I believe it's a cult hit mm. yeah. but I've just never sat down to watch it Nicholas I, Rowe passed away as well I just thought Nicholas Rowe passed away uh, Bernardo Bertolucci passed away yeah. yeah it's been a it's been a, been a bit of a bad time mm. Stan Lee died there a while ago <laughs> so uh, hopefully that spells <laughs> that a laugh a bad, hopefully like. that uh, spells the end of his dreadful cameos in those movies but I bet somehow it won't I think he'll be kept alive I think he'll be dancing on those marble strings for many years to come we do our last news story. Some white noise coming out of Craig's mouth there. <laughs> the last news story concerns uh, Spice Girl, Melanie B, and a strange, uh, grim story. Craig, do you want to talk about it? I, I don't really, because I've only seen the headline of this, and it's freaking me out. When two become one tattooed piece of skin in a jar. Zara, take yeah. it away, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Mel B um, it was talking about her um, memoir, Brutally Honest, mm. Um, and she talked about like her experience with PTSD after her abusive relationship with former husband Stephen Belafonte. Um, she talked about how she had a tattoo on her rib cage, 
um, which had his name in it. Um, actually, I believe the tattoo says, Stephen, to death do us part, you own my heart. So obviously, bad divorce, she, you know, laser was not enough. So she decided to get the skin taken off her body and she keeps it in a jar I presume in a wardrobe on top of her wardrobe yeah on top of her so wardrobe so no one knows about it but she knows it's there I would actually find that really scary to it's very strange I mean look listen let's not cast light upon what was clearly a very difficult relationship yeah. and not good and it's great that she got out of it but yeah I, yeah I'm just an interesting way of commemorating it. it it seems like something that would be difficult to get you know professionals to agree to do seems very money extreme. talks my oh, friend of course it does yeah but i suppose but it is, is it not kind of like doing a skin graph with just a little bit more work i suppose but when it's kind of something that seems reverse cosmetic maybe yeah i <laughs> mean she, she, she kind of get a skin graph yeah she explained it. it further by saying you know it sounds horrific but what i went through was so horrific yeah. um a lot of my surgery was to do with getting out of my abusive relationship it was almost like a cleanse i just wanted to feel fresh and new again and untouched by that person so yeah, fair enough. Fair I mean, like it, it, it kind of brought me down a different path though, because you know, there's mm. lots of people out there who have like Spice Girls tattoos. There are super fans who have like the entirety of Westlife tattooed in their back. And to call it back, Craig, uh, thankfully I will say, you know, the hate mail that I have been receiving for the stripes thing oh, that I wrote, oh my god, has in fact ceased. However, you on my travels, I did see that there was at least one person out there. Can you believe this? Whose back is covered in the stripes? How did you come across this? Somebody linked it to me. I didn't go. I didn't Google image stripes tattoos. Someone sent me a fucking photograph of some bloke who has all four members of the stripes when they were about twelve, by the way, tattooed oh. in his back. What age would you say he is? Got to be like fifty. <laughs> is he uh, like one of the dads or something? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Nope. Imagine okay. trying to explain that when you're getting down to business. <laughs> Jesus. With Mel B. Oh, what? And you're no, like, what's that stop. up there? Don't worry, I can outdo it. Do you know what other problematic tattoos there are out there? Oh, Mine? No. Such a grim news section. I know, this has been a very heavy news <laughs> Go section. Go ahead. People who have square boxes on their bodies. What? What do you mean? Segway into our album of the week. Oh, it's a segue. Oh, right, she's doing it. I didn't realize, because like, to be fair, I'm not too, I'm, I'm not terribly familiar with the aesthetic of the skin. <laughs> yeah. that Haven't you listened to the are album? Are you not it's a 75 There's lots of lyrics in this album. Yeah. And we're going to talk many. about that. We're going to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the hottest album of the week. It's the 1975. It's a brief inquiry into online relationships. <laughs> Fuck that one up. I'm going to do it again. Well, they fucked up the title. So it's a brief don't, inquiry don't. into <laughs> online relationships. And this track that we're going to play right now, one of 15 on the record, is called Love It If We Made It. Time to talk about it. The 1975. If you're unfamiliar with them, Craig, do your business here. Give me a primer. Um, so this is their third record. Um, they hail from Manchester. Um, came out of the traps as uh, 
kind of, you know, quite generic pop rockers with their self-titled debut. Um, that was in 2013? 20, yeah, 2012, 2013. Um, they had a quite charismatic, quite gobby frontman in form of Matty Healy um, and a couple of songs that became radio hits. Um, and yeah, they instantly kind of built up a big fan base. Now, over the course of their touring and their recording, it turned out that actually they've got a pretty good musical taste. So they strayed a bit from the more generic stuff. They've been bigging up the likes of the Blue Nile. Um, their last record, which I can never remember the full... It's I, I, like, I like it, it when, you, when sleep, you sleep, for you are so beautiful, yet, yet so unaware of it. it. Yeah. Um, but it sounded quite good in like sonic terms of they went for a kind of 80s aesthetic and they seemed like young men of taste and it seemed like they were ambitious lads as well. They definitely are. Yeah. A band that I myself have written off in the past, I kind of took one look at them and went, nah, fuck off, lads. Thought it was very pretentious, thought I was being sold something uh, particularly irritating. I really kind of took against them and I kind of took against them without really fully exploring it. And like I was very curious because this album was making a lot of buzz, a lot of traction. There's been a lot of buzz about it. Enemy in particular have been falling over themselves. They're the ones who have the quote that everyone is citing, which is, they've only gone and made the millennial answer to OK Computer, which is designed to piss people off. Matty Healy himself feels designed to piss people off in, in lots yeah. of different ways. He's done a track-by-track breakdown on Pitchfork of this album. Which didn't is, help his cause. It's no, Again, like it's, kind, it's kind of designed to make you wince. But at the same time, like he says he wants to be sincere. Is the artist not allowed to express himself that way? And as for this album, <laughs> I've written a review of it myself. You can go to joe.ie, you can read that if you want to. And I've noted that on this album, you have everything from, in terms of like stylistic uh, hit points, you've got Bonnie Vera treated vocals, you've got Damien Rice-style balladry, you've got 80s throwback emotion, you've got stadium-wandering parapop, you've got straight-up rock songs, you've got jazz standards, you've got uh, this track that we heard there, Love It If We Made It, which is like composed entirely of headlines and stories uh, generated in the media this year, set to, as Craig says, a Blue Nile cribbing uh, kind of bass line mm. and structure, which comes from the amazing song, The Downtown Lights, something which Matty Healy has flat out said, yeah, we, we did do that. We did look to those touchstones. We love that band, and so on and so forth. So I've got lots of questions before we kind of delve into this. I want to kind of ask the question of, are they sincere? Because, I mean, is this some big meta thing? Are they sincere? Are they trying to, like, you know, bring people in in this kind of communion? Are they trying to, like, you know, say something or is it just one big art college wonder? Like, like what is this? Okay, I have found this album incredibly problematic. Lyrically, um, okay, so a lot of the 1975's fan base is predominantly teenage girls. I have found anything that I've read from Matty Healy has been stomach churning his lyrics are infuriating and like it just ups like it kind of upset me as well like how he speaks about and to women in this record especially um like there's one song in particular where he's like talking about how he wants to like get inside the head of his girlfriend and he like he is like I just I want to smash open your head. I know that's imagery, but it's bizarre. There's also like very like controlling language I feel in it. Um like that song Two Time Two Time, where he's like talking about um how one girl makes him hard, but another girl makes him Oh no, I think that's mistake. a diff- yeah, that's, that's a different the song. Acoustic, that's equally really, problematic yeah, as yeah. well. In that like how he speaks to the women that he is addressing in this throughout this album really 
he comes across as very controlling, very misogynistic. Um, hang on one second. Like there's like there's one lyric as well where it's like instead of calling me out, you should be pulling me in. He's annoyed at another girl for pying him off for not holding his hand after she's like done a show. There's another where um he compares one girl's hair to the smell of another's feet. There's one where yeah, like I said, you make me hard but she makes me weak. I think that for teenage girls to hear a, a guy, especially in his position, who is this seemingly attractive pop star who I know like I don't know teenagers are definitely a lot smarter and savvier than I was when I was a teenager but like I just feel that if they hear someone that they maybe admire um and maybe have on a bit of a pedestal I think it's a very damaging album mm. um I I'm actually really repulsed by everything that I've read about this album. Um, I don't think it's an album that should be lauded at all for the messages throughout. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely disgusted by this. Yeah, I mean, that Be My Mistake was really, I found it a difficult listen um, because it is, it's when he does his like heartfelt acoustic moment where he kind of almost tries to do like a sub Conor Oberst thing like Lua or something. And it's just, it's essentially an exercise in groupie shaming, isn't it? It's like this weird thing of like, wait outside my hotel yeah. room and I oh, shouldn't be talking the, to you. And, okay, like, like, it's very odd. Um, it, it's manipulative, I feel. His lyrics, I, I actually feel um, the other song, Inside Your Mind, is more self-aware and I presume he is playing a character. It reminded me of when um, Brandon Flowers occasionally does those kind of um, serial killer songs and he'll kind of try and do those character studies. So that kind of seemed like, I thought it was actually an interesting lyrical idea uh, and it moved away from himself enough. I think the problem mainly with this album is when he focuses too much on himself. Um, You know, you talk about the millennial answer to OK Computer it's kind of like what Motley Crue's answer to OK Computer might be. Well, first of all, be. the millennial answer to OK Computer <laughs> is OK Computer. <laughs> Do you know what? During the week, right, I went back and I listened to OK Computer. I hadn't done it in a while. Do you know what? OK Computer is fucking great. Yeah. I hadn't listened to it in ages. But it's it's well, so good. But it, Sorry. I know, sorry, go ahead, sir. Um, but also, like, so Matty did this, like, interview as well on Billboard back in August. And again, like, that is just full of like such self-congratulatory like quotes from him but one in particular that really annoyed me was he he said there are no big bands who are doing anything as interesting as us right now and listening to this album you're like what are you actually doing that's interesting all of your songs are completely derived from the 80s like as you said like there's the blue nile but like there's also just like Listen to like bands like fucking Tears for Fears or like yeah, Talk Talk exa- and yeah, excess, all that like, kind of stuff. Yeah, and I just feel that like there is absolutely no substance at all to this album. None. Anything that I enjoyed remotely, I was like, but this is just something that I've heard before from something else. I have to say, yeah, I was like, call nine 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 because Justin Vernon's been robbed yeah. from the get go, right? Yeah, because the, they pull off some really nice tricks on this album, I think, and I believe the the main sonic architect of the band, shout out to our own Eve, uh, is George Daniel, the drummer, and he's clearly a very talented dude because it does sound immaculate. It and sounds fantastic. And yeah. the thing is, the thing about Maddie Healy is, uh, like, I'm pretty much the same age as him. 
I think we've got the exact same taste in nearly everything. So this is kind of perfect for me as a sonic palette. Do you think he's a misogynist? Yeah. Well, I mean, going by these these lyrics, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't put that if on him. If you don't, I am... I wouldn't put that on him like, necessarily, but lyrically, this is misogynistic. I, I don't think he's a misogynist, no. I like I I must say I and like if this says more about me I don't know but like I didn't it didn't come into my brain I I, I don't think everything he says here is well is, I don't do I'm sorry I might take it a step further and say it's not necessarily even just about women it's about the way he views everyone else yeah. and his place next to everyone else like he he spoke about the narrative around this album isn't just him talking about the internet it's also one of the hot topics is that he was on heroin for a yeah. long time and, he, and the song that addresses that the most explicitly is dressed up in like a very like end of American like high school movie sing along celebration style so he's doing the juxtaposition thing yeah he is that's um, not it's not living if it's not with you again I found fa- I found his treatment of his addiction and like now recovery very like problematic too and like yeah in glamorizing it, he had like, the, but he had those quotes where he was saying um like i didn't want to be like i don't have any respect for effing junkies and all this kind of stuff didn't he, he kind of immediately put himself above it all yeah he, he, did, he, he did an interview there like over the summer and that was one of the takeaway quotes which yeah junk, yeah effing which junkies is, are losers yeah or no no, no I didn't that's want terrible and he also uh, said um in the height of his addiction he turned to the band and he said um i'm the fucking main deal so like this band is going to keep going because this is how I write and you're just going to have to accept it. And I like I just found it really, really disappointing. Like just even in the song, it's not living if it's not with you. The way that like he sings about a character, Danny, and he projects it onto this character called Danny. And he's not like putting himself, he's not giving a I felt a very valid or true ex- experience. Not that, like, obviously it's a very sad and a horrendous um, thing to go through. But, like, yeah, I just felt this so insincere and actually sickening, like... Wow, this, these are huge words, like repulsive, sickening, like the misogyny well, organizations. I mean, like, like, like my, I, I didn't get My that. main problem actually was that whilst musically there's a lot going on that I like, when I tried to get to the skeletal core of the songs and tried to focus on his voice and what he had to say, there was very little there that matched up to um, the kind of sonic keystones and touchstones that are there. I mean, just because you're doing a 22 a million pastiche doesn't mean that invests immediately some kind of spiritual or cultural heft to it. I mean, when you're getting those kind of floating chipmunk angel vocals, they keep cropping up and it's kind of almost like, oh, you see, we're we're a deep band. Like, there's so many of those touches where they're trying to lend weight to these songs he's written, which are John Hughes, A Boy yeah. Meets Girl, or I Am In A Band and, oh, I'm living the sunshine, but now I'm on drugs. Isn't that fucked up? Like, there's very little here that struck me as there was no moment where I thought he really sold it and transcended those influences. Nothing. No. The closest Really? The nothing. Lo- the closest it comes is I have to disagree. Love it if we made it. Love it if we made it, right? Yeah. Okay, that fine. is the gonna, hook, in the context of the song, it's really set, grown I'm on. I'm gonna have to set out my stall here. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to do but it. But you know why I think this works? Because he's not really it's not him trying to be heartfelt talking about a relationship. It's him talking about the state of the world, and I think he's actually quite deft at doing those kind of things. Okay, well, here's the thing, right? I'm, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna have to like jump the gun here now. I'm gonna have to like spoil some fucking shit for anyone who might care. I'm just gonna say it. It's your song of the year. <laughs> Love it if you made it is my song of the year. <laughs> it is the best song of the year. 
It is without question it's the best Billy song. Joel of the year. Song. It's a Billy Joel song. It's the best song of the year. <laughs> it is it's an incredible song. It's absolutely brilliant. And I'm like it doesn't matter who it cribs from. It's a phenomenal song. It's a fucking anthem. It's brilliant. What what exactly really strikes you about it because I think it's a clever mechanic to combine um, we didn't start the fire the, 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 with the, the Blue Nile and then yeah. just do Trump like, like there's it works, none of them in this it works like. for me as a kind of big song of the year because of what it says about the year that's just exactly. gone exactly that's what this band is but and that's why this album works well this band should really be writing songs about 70s I think <laughs> <laughs> very good um, but no surrounded by these other songs that is by far the high point like you get something like Sincer- Sincerity is scary and like it's such an expensive sounding album as well that's the thing and you get these kind of floating yeah, horns is. they're going for um, D'Angelo again immaculate taste it's like a Black Messiah thing but just he is doing nothing he's treading water like there's nothing <laughs> going on his first his vote he doesn't have a great voice uh, he can't voice. really help that but he, it's a very has said that he doesn't flat kind of thin yelp of a thing but also <laughs> that it, is not endearing it goes between like say on love it um love it if you made it and like all the singles that have come out i feel he has this like american affectation to his voice but then when he tries when he grasps for sincerity he puts on this like British accent and I'm just <laughs> like who like uh, what I felt as well is the, the 1975 is an ego it's it exists so that Matty can like bolster his ego get attention um, have people talk about him create headlines make music be a rock star so that he can get laid like and I just think he like figures like him especially in the music industry need to be like got rid of do you, do you know what that is that is and you you can't prove this right but <laughs> when i listen to a song like be my mistake it smacks to me of the portrait the projection of a sincerity that as i said will get him laid do you know what I mean? Oh no, it's, for sure. It's elsewhere. It's like but he's, hang on, but hang he's on. hopping well, in. He's hopping in like Justin Vernon's musical vehicle, and he's driving around town. And he's like pulling upside girls, and he's saying, "I'm sad." You could accuse Ed Sheeran me. of building an entire career. And I have. <laughs> <laughs> we we reviewed his last album. We were not kind to it. I just want to note here: I'm not here to like fucking champion Mandy Healy. However, I did give this album a very positive review. I do find it very compelling. Uh, yeah, be my mistake. Definitely, there are elements for sure. I mean, like, I think ultimately, if, if you're doing what he's doing in this album, which is to just scream every thought he's having at once over the course of 58, 59 minutes, yeah. he's going to say some fucked up shit every now and then. Now, Zara, it didn't jump out at me that there was like massive red flags. Now, and again, that could be an oversight of mine and like a fault of mine that I simply didn't see it the way that you did, which is in, which is, I think is is interesting, and I'm I'm glad to get that insight because maybe now I will listen to the album totally differently. Maybe it just sailed over me. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like. I just wouldn't think of that. I just wouldn't see it that way, uh, and I didn't. I, I mean, like, I definitely thought, like, at times he's being a bit of a fucking but, dick. I mean, for example, but I didn't think, yeah. oh my god, this guy's dangerous. Like, we were criticizing Anderson Pack um, recently for having that kind of ridiculous blowjob skit, which is in also, his album. That is, yeah, I listened to that album and I was like, but the opening of this, I mean, it's it's the nineteen seventy five again, which they treat musically different as an opener on every one of their albums. The self titled, and track, it's yeah. yes, um, it's him doing his Justin Vernon thing. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, it's the same since the first album. It's him just talking about getting a blowjob. I mean, like that's what it mm-hmm. is. So this album literally starts with him talking about wanting to get a blowjob, and I think the rest of the album is him saying in different ways that he would still like that blowjob. Yeah, like that just seems to be his modus operandi of being in a band. And like what I also, 
found just like when I read this quote as well, I like was just absolutely repulsed. <laughs> so he um it was on that pitchfork dissection and I think they were talking about the um crack your skull open line um which is just absolute like i how that line made it onto the album now like i presume like that is totally uh, supposed to be a i presume that's supposed to be an ironic character study that's not him talking about like eh, maybe i'm wrong but it was just so extreme that i couldn't help but read it as anything it's just the language though that he uses throughout that doesn't and like from first person as well like it, it doesn't seem like it's a character um, but he said, like, the interviewer said something about how, like, wow, this is very, very brutal and grotesque imagery, like. And he said, I like the morbidly romantic stuffs. Sometimes I explain, or sometimes I explained it to my girlfriend and she found it quite sexy. His girlfriend <laughs> is 20 and he is 29. Well, that's allowed. <laughs> no, I know that. But I think, like, I... I mean, look, look. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that. No, there's, no, I know you're, you're projecting not an awful lot on, on, like, onto this. I mean, like, what if his defense was, no, no, this is entirely just commentary. I actually it's, don't think he would have a defense because I think he would the have whole defense, thing sure. is so vacuous. I think he's actually a bit of an idiot, and he wouldn't have <laughs> any defense. Like, uh, I, 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 I think he'd definitely have a defense. I mean, you read the. I think he would probably track. stand by it. Like, yeah, of course he would. Which is even worse. Like. But he, and the fact that he knows, like he is aware of his fan base, and I find that like really horrible. But should that you write he, specifically to your fan base? Like, is that is that not what you should necessarily? Do? But I think he should be kind of aware, like. But maybe he's trying to be, like treat like I'm like and again like please don't misread my wording here. But maybe he's, he's trying to treat teenage minds as as adult minds. He's trying to be like I think he's just manipulating his. I think he is. Just what very end? manipulative and controlling. It did. It did smack to me at times person. of how we've seen in like the last couple of years. Um, or sorry, in the last year or so, a lot of modern emo bands that had big kind of young female fan bases and would have we assumed a decade ago or whatever been um, very sensitive blokes, uh, lyrically astute, just kind of tapping into the darker sort of things and. There's been this whole thing of like, actually, is there some weird unease about the whole thing? I, it, like, it was veering towards that for me at times. Now, I'm not in any way putting them towards that thing, but I just, it was more an overall, as opposed to misogyny, just feeling that it's all about him. Mm. And like, it's I've seen, I've him. seen some reviews talk about how the great thing about this album is he is trying to project a positive message about where we are going forward as people. I just could, from his voice and from what I gain of his sincerity or lack thereof, I can't, there's no connectivity for me to actually get some hope from it. Okay, if I that did. Sense. Uh, well, okay, like, there's a lot there. Like, I'll try and unpack this. <laughs> Maddie Healy's <laughs> apparent spokesperson apologist, even though I never thought I'd no, be in that role. Good, and I'm yeah. not. Yeah. This is... No, but here's the thing. I, mean, like, I, I don't want to, like, you know, like, cast this under. And, like, Zara, Zara's kind of reading of this album has made me question my own reading of it and my own review that I wrote. Uh, and now I wonder, fuck, did I get it fucking wrong? Have I got this totally wrong? Like, like have I actually endorsed something that is, is potentially toxic? And, I mean, for me, the Maddie Healy thing, one, I agree that, like, it's clearly all about him mm. in terms of the writing. I, however, do believe that he genuinely fosters a sense of communion with this band, with the fans. I mean, like, that has well, always he been... D- he does. Yeah. That has always been, like, yeah, a thing. And, like, you know... A personal list, list I can't know if there's an ulterior motive there. You would hope that there isn't. I mean, but I don't know. I don't know the guy. I don't know his fucking motives. I wouldn't want to know. But, like, uh, I'm not saying I'd want to know. I'd, I'd want to interview him. I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I would. I mean, I think he, like, he seems like a well-read chap. As I do I said, want to interview him. It's this thing where he's got... I intend to try. Like, he seems to, like 
enjoy all of the music that I enjoy. So yeah, there's like a lot of crossover there. But I think, as I say, overall, it's more of a thing that as much as he likes to say he, like he'll say, you know, he's an encyclopedia when it comes to rock and roll. And um, he knows that, you know, all the cliches and he's, when he's on stage, he's kind of doing a Father John Misty thing of like being aware of what he's uh, playing at. But I think he kind of protests too much when he does that because he very much enjoys the position he's in. 100%. Yeah. And I think everything he does is it actually reminded me a lot of Johnny Burrell or Burrell we'll never know Um, (laughs) but that kind of that careerist rock star thing do you know what I mean where every interview every soundbite is here's the next thing I will say to kind of cultivate this image around me as Mm. the kind of interesting guy you know now that's just the way it comes across to me maybe that's his completely honest thing and we're also getting away kind of from the music I also just kind of feel as well that like I'm just tired of bands um, writing songs about social media and like, <laughs> like that song where Siri narrates it. Oh, should I we talk about the, yeah the man who married robot? Which that is, was just so stupid. It's, like it's overtaken um, Facebook story from Bond for me, which is like, um, yeah. The, I mean, the obvious. Uh, this is the of fitter, radio, happier, radio yeah. fitter, happier. Yeah, in which Siri describes a lonely man who lives on a lonely street in a lonely part of the world. And he's he's an internet troll, and his best friend is the internet, and he dies alone. He can go on his Facebook, and, and it's one of those things I described in my review as the kind of thing that Maddie Healy would scrawl down on a fucking napkin when he's in a whiskey bar at three a.m. and everyone else has gone home, and the kind of thing that people who think the Black Mirror is intellectually enriching will think is amazing. And I I, I kind of rolled my eyes. However. As with so much in this album, I wonder if I'm being, you know, like, well, that's the point, man. It's not meant to be. I like, don't think they're smart inter- enough. Like, like, I really don't. You could be right. You could be. This I could- think this is so vacuous, and I just think it's like, oh, guys, like, all these bands are writing about the internet. Yeah, it's com- but it's commenting it, like- on a vacuous movement in terms of like the way that like, the world has gone, the way that communication has gone, and I'm not, and I am always resistant to that kind of thing because I do feel like it's like, yeah, I and get it is, it. It, 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 you know, in fairness, I, I, and it's I don't- a really tough thing to write about yeah like you no, know it is it's yeah. extremely difficult to have nuance and this yeah. doesn't have it for sure but it didn't it didn't like wildly offend me but the first time i heard it i knew how i felt about it and how i felt of it was i'd lose that if i was your producer i'd lose that you don't need it it's there it's fine i understand that but to go back to the impressionable fan base the mentions are like there could be a 16 year old girl who's never heard that before and maybe has some kind of horrendous relationship with the internet and goes, oh yeah, you know what? It is grim. I don't know. I don't know what he's trying what he's trying to accomplish with this. I, you, you think it's intellectual posturing. Is yeah. that, that that's what I mean? I just think he has like s- certain like cultural touchstones that he'll whip out um of his canon to seem well read, like the whole um Dave Foster Wallace in Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like I th- I c- was it in that pitchfork thing where um uh he's like the interviewer kind of makes a point of kind of probing this and he's like oh like the line you're using is literally from like the first paragraph and then matty healy is like oh yeah well, that's the point isn't it no one really finishes <laughs> infinite jest i've talked to quite a few people who have like read infinite jest of the show well, excuse Fr- me. of the show carlo milocco it's his favorite uh, novel isn't he's starting to make pronounce i'm sorry and then he, <laughs> like, dr magicoco he also <laughs> he also said stuff like you know I love Nick Drake and then he also is just that, like sorry, yeah, and I love Coltrane guys but I'm sorry yeah he's talking about Be My Mistake which is just so awful right yeah. and he says he starts like he with most of his points he'll start by putting other people down mm. 
I realise we're criticising his album, so I don't mind to say that. <laughs> but he starts by saying, do you know what? I kind of hate that acoustic singer-songwriter thing, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I love Nick Drake, so I thought if I was going to do it, I'd have to do that yeah. whole... So he's literally going, I'm not going to be just like an acoustic singer-songwriter. I'm going to do one song, and it's going to be Nick Drake. <laughs> yeah. Like, but also, like, I think uh, the other song, Inside Your Mind, the other kind of slow song, just instantly reminded me of E17's Christmas song. Which is a great Hold song. On. So many of his melodies, this is the thing, like they're not a rock band, first of all. No, they're right? not, they're a pop band. Yeah, they're a pop band. They shouldn't even be a band. Pop band from Manchester. So many of his melodies remind me of when Take That would give Mark Owen a song on the album. They're all boy band melodies. They are. That's the thing. They are. This is the thing, when you get past your man George Daniel, who's doing heroic work, <laughs> being Justin Vernon... <laughs> When you get down to like his actual songs, if he did them all on acoustic guitar, and I realise this is very Stripes fan being like, oh, if you do it on acoustic guitar, then run with it, Craig, run with yeah. it. <laughs> I don't I think there's, it. I don't think there's much there. I don't think his melodies are interesting. There's that's the problem with this. There's yeah. no moments he gives me where I go, oh wow, what oh, a, so, like he's what really, about, he's what about really going. Want, in the okay, what about, what about the closing track? I always want to die sometimes. That is. Apart from... <laughs> I think it's a great song. Apart from Love It If We Made It, I think that's the best because it's got a really good chorus that could... You can imagine that in oh, like it's 80s Britpop, it's Britpop like Morrissey, you know... And the June message Brad The Anderson. message is really nice. It's about, you know, yeah, keep going. I like um, It's Not Living If It's Not With You because the verses are just um, Gr- Griff Reese, Neon Neon, uh, I told her on Alderaan. It's like the exact yeah. same song. And I know he's a fan because he's a fan of everything else I love. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and then well, the chorus is just well, a boy band thing. To be fair, uh, Enemy in in one of their, I think it might have been their review or in something, they described, uh, and they loved this band. They said um, they're one of the biggest champions. They said like, it's they they have this magpie pop thing going on. And that, Matty Healy himself referenced this elsewhere. It's like he's coined his own terminology here. And he basically said, yeah, you know, we're attracted to shiny things and we like it and we just take it. So he's flat out saying, "Yeah, but I'm, you know what? I'm taking stuff." But, but that's is, fine, though. I think but all because is theft. that's what I was going to say. I mean, if you look at Bowie, if you look at anyone, they, he was—they're all just kind of like Trent enjoying lesser-known stuff, yeah, and subsuming it. But the thing is, they usually take those influences and bring it into their own identity. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas here, you're just like. I was getting so mixed up at times listening yeah. to this record and being like, Hold on, is this a Bonnie Vare song? Yeah. Then I was like singing Bonnie Vare songs in my head. I'm like, is this now a 1975 song? No, it is very yeah. sprawling. Yeah, it no, is very I... sprawling in, in that it runs from one genre to another quite often, which again, I think is the whole point, lads. So, okay, what is the identity of the 1975? And I, I think we've established that it is, in fact, Maddie Healy. And we talked a lot about yeah. uh, on this review. We, we, we kept saying he, him, when, yeah. you Because, know, you know, there you go. The other guys just fade into the background, apart from, as you mentioned, George Dano, who's doing Trojan work behind the scenes. Yeah. So what is the identity of this band's era? Like, apart from, you think, a misogynist who just wants to get laid. Mm-hmm. But apart from, like, is there anything else with this? No. It's, it's, <laughs> I, that, it's that hollow for you. They are so vacuous. It is unbelievable. Like, Matty also said that, like, if more people did what he did as a job, that there would be less of a divide globally. And he said then that, like, everything is the same everywhere. Yeah, I noticed the way that people have darker hair in Mexico than they have in Scandinavia. Like, I just think this is a... Like, I know I sound really dramatic, but, like, I actually... I feel so strongly about this. I feel that they are an extremely dangerous band for teenagers to admire and listen to. (laughs) No, like, seriously. It's just when you hear that phrase. It's a hell of a sentence. Yeah, I I was going to go the complete opposite way and be like, well, do you know what? If you were a teenager getting into this, putting aside lyrical 
you know, that discussion. I think if you get into this band, you will invariably get into better music and that can never be a bad thing just from a musical fan. Just you go know. straight to the 80s because that's just, what they've <laughs> like absolutely rinsed. Like, yeah. But I just think they're a band so that Maid and Chelsea will have 30 second snippets for them to like play. And also Maid and Chelsea... A show where no one has respect for each other and like talks to each <laughs> you other. You can't put like that on them. <laughs> no, but like it's like they go hand in hand. And also, I am so annoyed that like it was the 1975 that got me to f bomb it. Like, because I don't like cursing. Is that true? I've n- I don't think I've ever cursed on this show before. No, but uh, outside of the microphones. <laughs> oh, she's uh, a professional though. Fucking yeah. sailor. What's the uh, mic on? <laughs> okay, right. Listen. Um. I think Zara <laughs> <laughs> I think Zara nailed it there in as much as like the Maiden Chelsea comparison harsh as it is the 1975 want to be recognised as a product of their time this album wants to be recognised as a commentary on its time now it's going to be weird for me to, to now suddenly pivot hard <laughs> to my score because I haven't really talked too much about the album because I've been kind of feeling this debate which I've, I've enjoyed this debate yeah. I think it's been very interesting yeah. um, misgivings aside and I have them uh, I'm sorry <laughs> out of 10. I'm sorry guys <laughs> it's an 8 out of 10 8's fine yeah. um, it's a I'll give it a six because, like, I think the band are doing interesting things, and I just it's five point five or six, yeah. Zara's jaw on the floor. Zero. I do not rate this. <laughs> Come on. Do not. Do not. Like, I am not going through everything that I have just said. No, 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 no. no I'm not Again. sure. I'm just saying zero. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I cannot stand by an album written by this person. And I, especially, like, there is nothing in this album that's good or original. I'm sorry. Okay. I, actually, no, I'm not sorry. <laughs> so, Zara, you won't be doing this all again in six months' time when they drop their next album, Notes oh, on a Conditional yeah. Form. Absolutely not. That's um, going to have all the garage drums and stuff, isn't it? It's real experimental, according Are to the Are they going to nick from Craig David, like... <laughs> Okay, right. Oh uh, that was a hell of a hell we of a. We still chat. have more music to talk about, folks. <laughs> we, we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna lighten the mood, though. We're gonna talk about a different band and their album. Spies finally dropped their debut album, Constancy, after a very long wait, and it was definitely worth the wait. I think we can all agree on that one uh, at this yes. table, yes. at least. Yes, yes we can. <laughs> and so we'll take a listen to Broadstone, one of the best tracks off it, and then after that, we'll have a chat with three of the boys. Right back after this. to be joined in the Headset Podcast Network studio, the No Encore Terror, as I like to call it, by Spies. Hi, lads. How's it going? I'm going to do a thing here before we applaud, Craig. I'm going to do my icebreaker move here of, when you guys talk first, say your name so that everyone knows who you are. Hi, I'm Hugh from Spies. I'm Michael. I'm doing good, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm Neil. 
Hi. All right, now you can call I, I'm Craig, and I'm not in the band. <laughs> but yes, go Craig. So, uh, you've been in a lot of press lately. Has it been fun? Do you hate journalists, or what's the story? Uh, we I, I quite like journalists, yeah. You kind of are uh, one, though, as well. So. Uh, I'm a little bit biased, yeah. Yeah, you write for the Thin Air. You review albums, so like this yeah. is a bit of a conflict of interest, because I'm, mm. I'm, 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 I'm quite curious. I mean, like, do you find yourself being like, oh, I can't review that one. They're my mates. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of a problem that I think Irish music journalism kind of has in general, is yeah. that people are afraid to say anything bad. Not um, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It's kind of like <laughs> you always see, like you know, review list goes up and stuff, and it's like, oh, nobody really wants to touch stuff that they think is bad. So I don't. Know. I think there's a bit of a problem there. Yeah, it's a strange game. We it's a very small, small industry. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's so. a tiny village. <laughs> it is really in a yeah. small town called Dublin, but uh, and Ireland as a whole, I guess. Yeah, I was accused actually of Dublin bias recently in work, where like uh, Christmas FM is back on the air. If anyone mm. is aware of that, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, the station that plays nothing but Christmas music. I can't <laughs> imagine a worse hell, but uh, there it is. People love it though, and I wrote a story about it the other day, and I, I I had this weird thing where I didn't even plan this, but I wrote like I said. Um, the frequency for Dublin is bang. And then I had like, and you can see the rest of the frequencies for the rest of the country <laughs> below. And like my deputy editor was like, you can't do that. That's like weird, like I love Dublin bias. And I don't even know if I do love Dublin, but you know. The station's run out of Dublin. Surely that's its home frequency. Yeah, now. and it was the first frequency I saw and I assumed it was a nationwide sure, thing. Sure, yeah. But, yeah. but just like on like criticism in general, like how, because you guys have had a few reviews now for your album, how, and it's all been very positive. Does that like, make a difference to you guys just do like people's opinions about what you've been confident and happily doing impact you that much what, how do you take your criticism i think because um we've literally been in a hole for the past three years um <laughs> literally <laughs> <laughs> the spies bunker you got <laughs> you kind of um s- you're spending so much time second guessing everything you do and um like see you know seeing the first review on that on the album was like um just crazy nice because Mm. you just kind of you go to this default mode where you're like the album is just the album it's not really good or bad it's just and and just to hear other people saying good things about it is yeah um is really refreshing from 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 that default mode of like just yeah um, numbness so it kind of gives you a, a, like a, a renewed sense of what the album is and like people listening to it and enjoying it and like getting messages from people saying like, oh, I really connect with this song or I really connect with the whole thing. Um, it just, you know, it, it kind of, the album takes a new life for you again. It's mm. really nice. That's good. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's good for your confidence. Kind of when you're plugging away at it every day, like as you say, doing interviews and things like that, you're like, oh, like, is this even any good? And to get yeah. some mm. good, good criticism is a uh, good... Reviews or yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of just reassuring for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And Michael, you were saying that like you kind of were away for three years. Do you feel that like that time away benefited the band more so? Do you think that like you guys are more confident musicians now? I'd say like twenty six, twenty seven, than you would have been at like twenty three, twenty four. Do you think it's a better time for you guys now to have released your debut? Yeah, I mean, like we're we're definitely we're definitely we've definitely regressed in our mu- musicianship like we're definitely <laughs> worse players now Why? but I think we have a lot more sense which I think is the important mm. thing mm. um, 
and you know skill you can get back You've forgotten all the notes you don't need it's just the <laughs> crucial ones now yeah. like Michael used to be able to shred but uh, <laughs> like you'll notice that I gigs like Connor's really just working that shaker but like <laughs> he like, really is yeah, yeah. Like, I, I went to your, to your workman's gig a while ago and I think I was saying to Zara afterwards I was like I was quite surprised by how like and this might sound like an insult and I don't mean it to but I was like that was really fucking upbeat like I was just like that was like really like joyous and like maybe it's because I built up this image of spies in my head from like interviewing you way back when for a hot press thing like probably 2011 or I want to say or 2012 yeah. if, even if it was yeah. and kind of being like there was obviously like an air of kind of portent to the kind of music that you would make and a bit of gloom and I, like I'm someone who loves to find like the light between the cracks you know but mm. like the gig that I went to and, and I think it's reflected on constancy as well like there's a general sense of like driving and kind of it's quite bright like the, like you can see the fucking colours I mean like like, like yeah. that like I wouldn't call it like in a wholesale change of direction but a lot poppier even than I was anticipating yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the gig itself, like, and this the stream of gigs we've just done, I think there just has been an atmosphere of, like, just joy. We're just so happy to be back playing and just, like, also just celebrating that the, that we kind of made it through the writing and recording the album and, and in one piece and then just actually to be performing it to people. I think that just comes out on stage. We're all just, like, so delighted to be actually able to play it in front of people you but know? it seemed like it was a necessary thing for you guys to kind of step back and step away from the limelight for a bit and just get off that circuit you know stop listening to the internet a little bit and did you feel like you know the debut was a long time coming was there pressure on you what kind of pressure was there even just a kind of internal thing it becomes yeah, something like I we have to get this out at some point <laughs> i think it was a mostly internal like i definitely think that when we were releasing music back in the day like we had you know, people saying, oh, maybe there'd be a Spies record and stuff and, and that would be a bit scary. But I think definitely it was an internal pressure more than anything to yeah. be like, we need to actually achieve our potential. And I think we all kind of knew that we hadn't been. And I think that was maybe the old Spies or whatever. But I think we started to push the boundaries and question things and not just accept mediocrity and push ourselves. And that's what this record ended up being. Uh, so I think, yeah. And you like you feel like a different band, as Dave was kind of alluding to. You changed up your way of working and, on songs and kind of structuring things. And, and, you know, it's no longer the just pure indie rock guitars and drums set up anymore. Did that totally change the songs that were created? Yeah, absolutely. Like, we approached the record far more methodically than we'd ever approached any songs before. Like, we all just kind of got quiet and had a computer set up and we recorded every track as we went everything was multi-tracked even the demos we made were completely multi-tracked and just really slowly built up from the ground and I think that allowed us to kind of experiment more with the new instruments that we were getting and like the synthesizers and things because we were kind of learning how to use them as we went and yeah it was just a lot different to any of the music we'd written before mm. I think the interesting thing is like I've talked to a lot of musicians who kind of all seem to have a similar relationship with their music and like it's kind of a symbiotic thing where like you know it's a bit of a cliche but like you know once you put something out you kind of abandon it and you're like you're saying goodbye you're giving up control to someone else you're giving up the ownership to somebody else but also given the length of time that this has taken like it must have been especially tricky to be like oh fuck I'm, we're pulling the trigger on this now <laughs> because it's just been such a such a process like I mean like was there any kind of like I just can't do this. I just can't put this out. Like, it has to be buried in a box, in a time capsule, and then someday maybe, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think, you know, like, did it did it develop its own complex? Like, I mean... It, it definitely became its own thing, 100%. I think, like, we, we put so much time and effort and care into it. Um, and not just the record, but all the songs around, those songs that didn't make it or whatever and all those things. 
but I think definitely it, it just it took so much out of us. Um, so getting to that point, like there was one point where we were convinced, like I was convinced personally that the re- record was shite. Like I was like, this is terrible. And <laughs> it's funny though when you listen to, as you said, other musicians or interviews with famous musicians and they say the same stuff. They're like convinced that it's terrible. And then I think one of the best things we did was distance ourselves. I think you brought it up, Sarah, from the record. I didn't listen to it for probably about three to six months, maybe three or four months. Um, I don't know about you guys, but that was probably the best thing ever. And coming back to it and going like, oh, shit, this is actually really good. And like Mm. seeing it as someone else's work almost. And that was really important, I think. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't have got across the line. I suppose as well, like one thing, um, like you guys self-released this album, like through Trite Records. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've noticed that like a lot of, especially in Dublin, a lot of bands are doing this where they're self-releasing albums. Um, How important do you think that is, especially now for bands to not kind of have that pressure from a label who are looking for, say, like marketability? And also like in terms, aside from that, like for like a band now to just have full ownership of their music. Was that something that you guys were conscious of? Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if that was ever really a thing because I think for us, we retreated to the cave, as Michael said. Like, we, we disappeared to try and like, <laughs> er, like actually learn how to write songs. And I feel like we started that journey and that's what this record was. Um, but in terms of record labels, like, I don't know. I couldn't imagine a situation where I have to think about o- anything other than just expressing myself through music yeah. together mm-hmm. so maybe it's maybe you guys have an idea about that but i honestly couldn't imagine how difficult that must be because yeah. uh, for us it was difficult enough to just to be honest with ourselves yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do you guys jam when you're recording uh we used to not really anymore when we're recording or like when you're like kind of figuring things out Oh yeah, like a lot, a lot yeah. of it was live. A lot yeah. of that stuff, like Broadstone and other tracks, we like we just jammed them. Watchman, mm. we just jammed that live, and that was the vibe. And then it would be like deconstructing it afterwards and like making it sound right. But yeah, no, definitely a lot of yeah, you kind of a lot of shaker, to, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think you had to start from a place of of like playing with either yourself or like oh God. I <laughs> <laughs> playing on, Michael. playing music it relaxes with, on people, your own yeah, <laughs> <laughs> once you get or that out of the way <laughs> then you can concentrate on the music oh <laughs> that, we, we'll cut that right it's real um, but yeah you need that kind of sense of exploration and <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, I mean, like, like to try and drag this back on course. I mean, like, like, uh, like Michael, there's always been like a, a sense of uh, of intense focus with with the way that you kind of perform, and even like kind of uh, like I remember like I never I never wrote the thing, and I, much like uh, Bantam, who I also interviewed once and then never did the interview. I remember like you know coming down to your rehearsal space once, and like you know you were around and you were like going into recording, and it was a case of like right, that guy's fucking off limits. You know, he's doing his vocals, and that's it. I mean, like, like is it like like that level of commitment though? I mean, but but like I, like, I think it all speaks to the process. And like we've had bands on the show before who've released like four albums, and I guess like for them it's just like cool, yeah, like get up to it, fine, whatever. But I think each band, each each individual member of every band is different as well. So I mean, like in terms of your own kind of creative process and like lyrical themes and everything, was it a case of just like you know I've been working on this for so long, it's almost like my own fucking novel, and I gotta like just pare all the characters and pieces down and get it as right as possible. Like, would you still? want to revisit parts of it or are you like no no it's cool it's done constancy is constancy and I'm perfectly happy with it I can walk away I think that um, in terms of like the themes and the lyrical 
content like I don't really think I change a thing on it um might change some of the vocal recordings but that's like that's kind of it and I know no one really hears that stuff but but um I think it was we just had so much time to to work on that stuff and there was just a lot of like th- there was a lot of meditated meditation on the lyrics and and the the structure of the album as well was, I thought it was just was a really important thing to me I think just from a very like from um, like ever since I was young I would like listen to albums that had like that kind of running theme like um, like the suburbs or like um, I don't know just like those kind of uh, narrative albums and I'd just be like oh I, I want I really want my record to like just be a very cohesive thing you know not just a mixture of songs so like I think I'm I'm just the the thing I'm happiest about is just to I feel like I've achieved that in terms of the lyrics um this sort of story arc I guess you know so I I, there, I wouldn't change anything that's a real you know? I mean like not everyone gets to say that like yeah. and I think a lot of people would always be chasing that kind of you know that phantom thing and I mean like it's interesting like like the idea of a narrative because especially now and even kind of going back to what Zara was kind of saying with regards to like a, like a more kind of commercial or marketable sense but also the landscape has changed so much you know like in the last kind of five six years even less than that I would mm. say so you've mm. kind of been in you know you've been in it kind of starting off then you kind of like went away to a degree and now we're back like uh, as a proper kind of functioning thing with a really good album so I mean it's a strange time for anyone to release music or to be a part of any kind of machine whether it's independent or whether it is signed to a label I think you know musicians have more power in some <coughs> respects and also have fuck all power in another I mean like mm-hmm. you guys presume we all have 9 to 5s and like just like you know your Monday to Friday that like like music I think more than ever we're told constantly that Ireland has this incredible scene and it does for sure but at the same time it just feels a little bit disparate I think for musicians like more and more it's become a bit more of a struggle so I think you know to put out this album which has been a struggle and it's probably about struggle as well is it's really good like I mean I, I think in a really that, enjoyable way we should say. <laughs> no, but, I heard, like, but I heard like I heard like um, you guys were on the Point of Everything podcast and like I know Owen was kind of making the point that he thought it was a particularly good episode or album rather to close out the year He like he thought it was a really good album to kind of sit with and take stock with so uh, and I know Nolan on this week was like no more new music please so uh, yeah I, I think he just, just got in the year we reached the cut off point yeah, yeah, that yeah. was our marketing plan you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah end of November yeah. but like touching on that like where it is a difficult time for like Irish music. Um, like I saw you guys being like you did like a Q and A in the Big Romance for Constancy, and you mentioned how like pretty much all of the recording studios and spaces that you've been in have been knocked down mm. and don't exist anymore. Like how fraught and difficult is it to be a a Dublin based? I suppose because like Dublin is your experience of like recording how difficult is it at the moment for especially like emerging acts who mm-hmm. don't have anywhere to rehearse or record I guess it's kind of funny because from our point like we're kind of out of that loop a little bit like we wrote and record this album recorded this album like over the last like two years so we kind of haven't even needed you know a, a 24 hour rehearsal space or anything like that in a long time Um, but yeah it's like definitely like changing and it changes all the time but new places open up like uh, our friend Fiacre just opened up a rehearsal studio in Portobello mm. and I think Vault Studios is now reopened under a new name um, I think the drummer from Come On Live Long set it up again okay. things like that but 
But it's just money and time. Yeah, it's I mean, money. It's no money or time. Because yeah. like most musicians, like who are trying to make it, are like what, like nineteen to twenty-three, like that stage, and like you don't have any money when you're there. So you're like begging your parents or like working <laughs> part-time jobs, and that that is the hardest part about it is money, essentially. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. have the drive as well to just keep going at it, like yeah, absolutely, yeah. And yeah. of course, you're probably getting the are you still at the music? Question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like from from relatives <laughs> and yeah. just like random strangers. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Fair play. Yeah. Or like you know, get you a do job. your own songs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I saw this great band down the pub the other day. <laughs> right. yeah, but in, all, in all seriousness, though, like there's a huge emotional strain that's never talked about. Like it's mm. it's all the kind of you know, oh, you know, the money and all that. But like, definitely, it takes a lot out of you yeah. to pour yourself into something creative and then to have to like make huge amount of sacrifice for it. A lot of people don't understand that, but I guess musicians probably do, and mm-hmm. that's one thing that we experience. But I guess now there is a lot more there, maybe. Like, we didn't have a clue what was going on. We were just figuring out for ourselves. But at least there's things like BIM and whatever else mm-hmm. that can, you know, at least give people advice, maybe, and on how to kind of do things. Have but, you experienced yeah. any of that kind of, that kind of come down? Because I, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I think that is a thing that, like, people don't really kind of make a lot of allowances for. Particularly, like, you know, like I say, I mean, like, committing to and like releasing this thing and then obviously right now you're doing media you've got a gig coming up and of course there'll be probably time to decompress and just kind of stop but i think you know once you've been doing some expending so much creative energy and then once you stop like it can actually be its own fucking worst enemy like it just creeps mm-hmm. up in you and you're mm-hmm. like oh great now now i feel miserable even though i've mm-hmm. done something i've accomplished something mm-hmm. i think I'm, yeah I th- sorry go ahead oh, I was gonna say, i'm both looking forward to it and dreading it because i've been doing the social media stuff and it's just like takes so much out of you every day <laughs> and I'm like and i like the day after the gig i'm just find like, a meme damn it <laughs> yeah i'm just like <laughs> i can't wait to like just stop doing it yeah. <laughs> but like i know at the same time it'll be like a big part of my life uh, from like the last six months that's mm-hmm. like just gone the sixth member of the band so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think but that's the thing, like, you, that, yeah. you like we appreciate that so much because it takes so much effort to do that and it's like the mundane stuff that actually kind of matters sometimes and uh, i think you know after that's done like yeah it'll be tough to kind of like i guess hughes invested so much time in that side of things like doing all the social media and, and being so proactive um, but also I think like it's important to kind of check yourself and go okay am I just putting all my energy into this one thing and if you are question that and be like is that healthy like maybe I should also like have another creative project to like mm. let off steam or if I like to draw or if I like to do something else and just kind of level it out a bit because I, I fell prey to that in the past and just mm. only focusing on one thing and thinking it's the be all and end all so I think that's probably maybe advice if you want to call it advice to people I don't know like just like you know don't put all your eggs yeah. in one basket maybe I don't you know. do seem yeah. kind of quite energised by the release which is great because I guess the worry for fans of you know good bands is always especially in Ireland when it's such a, an effort to get that first album out when it's such an accomplished statement you see great bands just kind of fizzle out or just call it a day afterwards because they feel like okay we've done the thing mm-hmm. you guys seem like no this is like start of a new chapter yeah yeah I think like we I mean, we don't have, like, any major, like, expectations like this. They're like, okay, we want to, like, tour the world or, like, get signed a crazy major label deal or anything like that. I think we're just going to take things as it comes. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. like we do definitely want to tour and just try and give the album the um, yeah. the release that we think it deserves, mm-hmm. you know, like... And you got to let it breathe <laughs> because you just, like, I think there's a tendency in for musicians to, like... There's, it's, there's always going to be something that you're chasing. Like, it's always... You're... Um, you know, it's like if I could only just yeah, like play Whelan's, then like then I know I've made it. And then you play Whelan's, and it's like oh, but like if I could only get on that Spotify playlist, then I know I made it. <laughs> and it's just it's I think it just, mm. it's just um, it's yeah. it never satisfies. So you just mm. the only way to um, like counteract 
that is to like actually just appreciate what you have and actually like let it sit and not just be constantly chasing the yeah. the next thing you know yeah well okay so there's an upcoming gig and obviously we're looking forward to seeing what happens next year the question I want to ask though is is Conor Cusack full time on percussion <laughs> shaker like some marimba like like, like where's he going to go with it because I mean like again like, like, to go back to that gig I mean like I, the determination on that man's face was a sight to behold oh yeah it was dude it was fucking intense but like. I've also never seen someone so happy like I loved seeing that gig like I just like I was on the other side of the stage and I could just see like um, all our friends like putting up their phones and like sharing this. I was like what are they like what are they looking at look over to see Connor in a trance like going nuts like oh, okay I yeah. know someone who has a picture of Connor from I think one I think the workman's gig uh, Connor like mid maraca as their <laughs> wallpaper it's amazing <laughs> mid maraca <laughs> and on that note we will say goodbye to spies but not for long of course thanks so much guys thanks for coming in thanks for thanks having us, us. That was Spies. Don't miss their gig on December 14th at the Button Factory. And up next, it's the songs of the week. Zara Hederman, number between one and five, if you please. Um, two. Jeff Tweedy, oh God. he knows what it's like, because <laughs> the song's called I Know What It's Like, and here's what it sounds like. Alright, that was Jeff Tweedy of Wilco fame. Back at it. We talked about Wilco's new fire axe last week. Craig, is this song good enough to break down a door? Oh my god. Um, Yeah, I personally think it's a great song. I mean, he always delivers. He records uh, quite a clip. Um, Scarce a year will go by where we don't get some Jeff Tweedy material and it's always of a very high standard. This is his first collection of like solo material like under his own name I believe mm. and it comes after I think his father passed away he's completed his memoir so it's like a reflective time um, and he like he's a very warm voice he sounds like a man that does know what it's like doesn't he <laughs> <laughs> I okay so I would be quite a big Wilco fan yeah love Tweedy um, I think <laughs> love I, the Tweedy <laughs> no but like the uh, band he had with his son Spencer oh, I thought yeah. they were great <laughs> I love the Tweedy <laughs> No, um, I thought that was great. I saw him uh, in Vicker Street, maybe at the start of this year. Mm. Strange gig. Um, this song I actually felt was a very unnecessary song. I just felt it was un- yeah. its existence is unnecessary. Yeah, like what is he actually saying in this song? Other than I know what it's like. Like I just felt he wasn't saying anything interesting. I just felt he was a bit tired. Well, it is kind of an indie pop song. Um, he does come from those roots of you know it's the alt country thing of it probably stems from you know when the Rolling Stones started hanging around with Graham Parsons. So you get the kind of country expressive um, confessional stuff. But he's also enthralled to like just jangly pop songs and th- yeah. like the Laz and like it's all it's all about the melody here. Which I think is sweet enough to totally carry the day. It is sweet, but I think it's maybe too long. Do you think? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it's too long. And I like, know, yeah. I kind of 
yeah, like listening to this on repeat. Like I loved uh, Tweedy. I think he's great. Um, don't <laughs> get Tweedy. me wrong. <laughs> but yeah, I just kind of felt like this song, you could maybe hear his fatigue of maybe how busy he's been. And like touring, he released that, um, the reinterpretation of like the acoustic reinterpretations of Wilco songs on his album last year. Mm-hmm. Was it Together at Last maybe? Yeah. Um, he was touring. He wrote his memoir. Um, so yeah, I just think even vocally on this song, I think he sounds exhausted. I yeah, kinda, yeah, I kind of want him to sound exhausted. It's kind of the aero equivalent of a yawn, and that like it's infectious, and the infection spreads and makes you want to yawn. It's fine, it's grand, it's okay. Yawning is enjoyable. Is it quite often? What do you yeah, like about, yawning? You fucking weirdo. I mean, like, okay, so essentially, like, <laughs> maybe um, I'm thinking of sneezing. <laughs> am I? Is it a sneeze? Are all equivalent of a sneeze? Sneezing is like what, like some kind of miniature <laughs> orgasm or something, isn't it? Jesus. That, that's what they say. Oh, oh it's uh, you, like kids used to say if you, you I, have I, eleven of them in a row, it's the it stacks up to the same amount of. I feel like it's a French thing i don't know I, I feel like all of this goes back to france french sneeze no like the, 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 the <laughs> oh, likening okay. it to anyway what did anyway what did you think of the song <laughs> uh, i didn't think it was great i thought it was okay I, it, it, craig's right it, it, it insists upon itself but i will say that craig's favorite expression uh, <laughs> uh, i don't know i think i'd rather listen to cheryl tweedy quite frankly and what? I, oh, that oh, is no, stupid on. you can't just put that out there because yes, you're, you're being flippant that is cute. such a hand ratty <laughs> oh, move Cute. You're adorable. Like, Shaking your foot around. No, I'm like I'm, well, I'm, I'm well aware. I I you know have not uh, on Tinder by the way. Just a fondness for the Tweety, but I think this is a very well written song. I mean, but I'll I'll just always enjoy his stuff. He's like a kind of he's like putting on a, a comfortable pair of jeans. Okay, right. Okay, we've talked enough about it. Give me a number. Uh, number one, please, Dave. It's Los Unidades. They sound kind of familiar. Let's have a listen. A lot of people go And uh, it's so bad that it disconnected my headphones halfway through and I haven't gone back to it. Do you know what? I kind of feel bad for this song. I think it's timing <laughs> is off because I think if this had been released in maybe May, this would have been the World Cup anthem or the sound <laughs> of the summer. We say this every week Seasonal about songs. People song do disorder. not know when to release songs. <laughs> yeah. They what really the don't. Fuck, like? like, this is such <laughs> a summer jam. Like Jam? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that I um, loved what? it. I, I have an admiration for how Chris Martin has stuck with this. I'm going to make sure my music is played in clubs. I was just about to say on yeah. package holidays. This is him for yeah. the weekend all over again. But it's, yeah. you, know, you know, I like to kind of compare across you know different musical eras. Is he's very much in his like Rod Stewart. Uh, if you think I'm he's sexy, bad old. bag, isn't he? <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. He's like, he's done the kind of rock thing. He's big enough, but now he's getting down with disco. Do you know what I mean? I, is this, I, I, if you think I'm sexy, came out in the late seventies. Rod Stewart was probably younger than he is now. You've been like reading about Rod Stewart this week, or like, where is this coming from? Are you trying to crowbar this in? You're like, where well, I get this in? I can't get in on the Grimes track. Look, I think. But you know, I think of like, sorry, he's just no, totally like- taking up the mantle of, I want to have a club hit. 
I'm going to be down with the kids. This is what I'm doing now. I'm moving away from the guitars. And he's been at it for a while. He probably just wants to mix it up. like. But he's been doing this for ages. I mean, this isn't hugely different from Sky Full of Stars. he probably or... really likes pop music. And he's just does, like, so I want to make... As well. Don't forget Did that. Did he do a song with Rihanna? Yes, that's a good song. Princess of China. Look, I... Okay, this wouldn't be a song now when I'm walking into work that I'd be like, do you know what? Oh I my feel... God, you like this song. She loves this song. Do you love can, this song? Yeah. No! no. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me finish. This wouldn't... I just started off with this wouldn't be a song that I would put on on my walk to work in the morning. But like, I do think it definitely serves its purpose for what it has been crafted for. I think if this came on in the club and I was, you know, a little bit drinks... I would probably last though, like. Yeah, I mean, like, it's made for if you're in a good scenario, you might just have some proxy fondness for it. Like, he's talking about going down to Rio and, like, oh, if, you're, if you're on the beach, like, man. you'd be like, oh, okay, this is in the background. It's pleasant. It's proxy. proxy fondness, eh? What about so It's Dublin <laughs> in winter. Were, yeah? I'm going to be waiting for a bus in the wind later. I don't need this in my life. I saw a proxy fondness open up for Brian Ferry. <laughs> what a show it was. Listen, it's just a bit of mindless fun. And but look, all he does is mindless fun now. After like burying the, the and e- also, each individual grave in 1975. It's, it's not Rod Stewart. I'm sorry, but he's not talking about cracking someone's skull open or how she can text someone and he can. I guarantee if I went through the, the, the myriad of music that you listen to, you think I'm not going to find any fucking problematic lyrics I, I, in there? Do you know what oh, is problematic? I rest yeah. my that case. bit where he goes and all the people go, Eolo, Eolo. It's like, what people are you talking okay, about? I'm, Who I'm are all the people this, going, I'm shutting this down. I just think it's a bit of a football anthem and I just feel bad that it wasn't released in May in time for the World Cup. Can I get a number, please? Between uh, three and five. Uh, three. It's Kelly Rowland talking about Kelly. So she's back. Kelly on Kelly. The song is terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. Bad. Oh, God. You want to talk about chasing trends? Oh, and- can we stop with these trap drums at this point? <laughs> nope. I can't. This era is going to sound so dated so quickly. I know, yeah. I mean, it already it, sounds like it's come from the 90s with that sinister like music box thing as well. Like, yeah, I, that, th- there I is that. Like. But those kind of, oh God, those trap drums. They're over everything now. No, regardless of whether it suits the song or not. Can you do an impression She's doing ad libs to herself yeah. because she's like a one woman Migos. She's hot, know. man. That's what she's saying. Can I tell you one thing? <laughs> Go on. Can I tell you one thing? I have my book for this song. Yes. Prefer this to any of Bay's recent stuff. <laughs> would Ooh. go to a, would go for a run to this. <laughs> a run. So you're in the club and Coldplay come on and you're all about it. You want to go for a run? It's the new Kelly Rowland song. Are but you isn't right? Did this 1975 album really like, screw up so badly that like Beyonce's music has lost ju- all meaning? Beyonce's just done like ape shit with Jay Z. I don't like Beyonce at all. But like ape shit is kind of this, but better, right? I think it's fair to say Beyonce's better, but if Sarah thinks that Kelly Rowland should have been the, the icon, 
Look, I'm just waiting for Michelle's single next We're all week. Hopefully, for maybe. To, to <laughs> There's a great up. moment where, like, about I think three there minutes. Isn't there no, isn't a great. There isn't a great moment on this. Song. Stop lying. <laughs> about three minutes in, after she's constantly referring to Kelly, she just and she's just like, "Yeah, I'm Kelly Rowland." <laughs> I'm just like, "I know." <laughs> Give me a number, Craig. Four and five. Five, please. It's please. Versatile. Dublin rap outfit. Versatile. They're a rising band. The song is called Lost and Found. New tune in the pocket. Pammy strap is good. Go block it when it bangs. Shall be some respect. Now won't pass. That means no protection from the gang. So, I feel like everyone knows who Versatile are, but if you don't, they are a pair of gentlemen from Dublin. <laughs> they make rap music, and they're pretty fucking big. So, Electric Picking this year... In the Electric Arena tent, I think it was. I was there. And it was a real I was there moment. Place was fucking heaving. These guys, you know, they make these kind of songs. They seem like they're a bit satirical and no one quite knows what it's all about. Dublin rappers with Dublin accents. Uh, unafraid to tackle any subject matter, it seems. And they're definitely, definitely guilty of some problematic stuff themselves. Um, but the rise, guys, the rise is out of control. They announce the Olympia, it sells out in seconds. They announce live at the Marquee in Cork, it sells out in minutes. They are on the cover of Hot Press's annual. They don't they don't really do press. I've been trying to get the chance to talk to them, but they're, they're, they're not doing it, mate. And I wonder, as I do wonder, is Versatile a gag that's gotten out of hand? And by out of hand, I mean, is paying off for them. They've got, like, endorsement deals. They're selling out. They've got a huge fan base. I don't think the fan base give a shit about what they're listening to, mm. just that it's there for freedom of expression. And I find myself wondering, what do the likes of a Reggie Snow, a Mango, a fucking Kojak, uh, Kojak uh, Jafaris, um, whoever, Co- like, you know, yeah, rising uh, Dublin people who have varying degrees of their own success, I wonder if they're looking at these guys and being like, hmm, do you think they think they're kindred spirits? Or is this all part of one big meta gag? I didn't like this at all. Um, I was... Because the only way to listen to the song was through that YouTube link. I was terrified watching that video. <laughs> and also, as you're saying, like, uh, about a payoff, they've clearly got a lot of money behind them. Like, mm. the production of that video is, it reminded me of, like, I don't know, like, a, sh- a short Hollywood film, like, that comes out at Hollywood. Or that comes out at... Halloween, like, yeah. but I just found this a bit too abra- abrasive, too impenetrable. Well, this is their thing. They, but like, like it's what meant to be... scenario, apart from a live setting, are you going to listen to this and enjoy it? I think it's a live setting. I think it's it, like that's what it is. Like they exist to kind of have a kind of explosion. It is communal, but I don't know. I mean, like, like what fascinates me about this act is. I just want to ask them. I'm like, is this for real? Is it all one big joke? What is it? Like, but you know, so many. But now f- it feels that like they're the, the, sorry that they are pivoting to actually making some. Yeah, real music. I feel like there's been a lot of bands over the decades that have kind of started as an in joke or mm. that has snowballed and gone out of hand. And like, there was a lot around just even more recent times, like Woo Life, kind of that discussion. Um, mm. And sometimes I think actually the more interesting acts emerge out of some kind of meta commentary are thinking you're slightly above it all or not taking it too seriously. I think that can be a fresh approach. 
Um, to Zara's point, yeah, actually, that's like I, I, this worked for me. Um, I thought it was really impressive, but I don't know in what context I would listen to yeah. it again. Um, it pr- probably is the live thing, and I would like to see them live now. Um, but it has this intensity to it that I think speaks maybe to a genuine aspect of Dublin, like, which is like more Adam and Paul than like I don't know wants or the commitments. We don't hear a lot of that. I think it's I think it's hitting a kind of true note about Dublin, regardless of their intentions. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was I was really baffled. I, as you can hear, I was really baffled by this song, um, and I don't think I could easily listen to it again. But at the same time, like I love rap and I love, um, like, yeah. Um, Is this one of your first forays into them? Because like they like this, I gar- this was my first time see, I ever gar- hearing. I guarantee them. they want they want what you just said. They want that. I, but I think they want that. But like, I think they want what he said as well. But it's this. But that hasn't sold a ticket to one of their shows. I don't want to see them live. Mm, okay, I've seen, I do. Live. I've seen them live. I've seen them live. I've seen them live. Like I walked into that tent to picnic and I found myself being like, "What the fuck is this?" And I wrote about it and I was like, "Okay, something happened here. It was a moment. It would have been irresponsible of me if I didn't lead with that in my electric picnic day one review because it was a bigger story than Kendrick Lamar in terms of like feeling something happening. Mm. You know, like being there for a genuine moment. Now whether the moment is good or bad, I don't know. Because like I say. They're guilty of some questionable shit. They use a wheelchair on stage. They tweeted recently about not coming home from Megan until one of them got sexually assaulted. Ooh, they're they're like you know, even even in the tracks there's some they're very, japesters. They're they're questionable. But even lyrics. their video was really really hard to watch. The, the, and this is not the first time they've done that either. So like it, it feels like it's designed to shock you. And again, I mean like do like it becomes yeah it comes that argument of well if it's by design and if it's do, done from an artful place like then is it like fine or I don't know. And that's why it's, I want so that's why I want to fucking talk to them. I don't want to pull the curtain back and expose it, but I also mm. want to know more about it. So yeah, I'm, for me, they're you know ones to keep an eye on, but it is moving fast. Like they announce big gigs and they're fucking selling. Like something's happening. However, I will say this: if it continues in this vein and this is all we got, it's got an expiration date. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely future, yeah. agree. And finally, this week, the return proper of Grimes. The song is called "We Appreciate Power." Do we appreciate the return of Grimes, Craig Fitzpatrick? Um, I wasn't sure if she was cancelled or not. Uh, it turns out she was just called out, and Elon Musk was cancelled. Um, I checked. Uh, yeah, I was. I've been waiting for her to come back for quite a while. Um, very interesting, quite singular artist, and this worked for me. I do feel like it's about two minutes too long. Yeah. Uh, the middle section kind of felt strange to me coming from her. It felt a bit too polished. Um, but from the guitars to just the energy of it, um, it totally worked. Now that said, lyrically, and I, I kind of mentioned this earlier on, it, it feels like it could be a series of Elon Musk's tweets. Or it feels like it could actually be a Muse song, which I did recognise and go, <laughs> actually, if this wasn't Grimes doing it, but it worked mm. because it was Grimes. <laughs> I, yeah, the first time when I listened to it this morning, um, I was kind, I was also still waking up. So I was a bit, I was hit with a ton of bricks with all of those different like 
chops and mm. changes where one minute it's kind of like lordy in, at the Eurovision. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Then like there's this really, really nice, very fleeting, almost kind of ABBA-esque like li- vocal line, which I I think is my favourite part of the whole song, but it's so like brief that it doesn't stick around. Yeah. And then you have all the like very dystopian, industrial like kind of arrangements kind of going on around her. Her voice just kind of, like, so on my way to the podcast, I listened to, the, was it Robert Miles? Yeah, you're listening to Robert Miles. I was listening to Robert you. Miles because Grimes's uh, voice at one point towards the end of the song really, really reminds me of the female vocal on uh, One and One. So, so similar. Mm. Um, I don't know, like, Grimes was never an artist that I got really, really excited about because anything that I did kind of like listen to it and like in saying that as well I haven't really sat down with one of her albums from start to finish it's only really been the singles that I'm privy to um but this morning then I was like oh actually maybe I'll like get stick on a bit of Grimes now and they I stuck on one song I can't remember what it's called and I thought it was the the song from the ad Oblivion yeah from the air mad back in the day yeah, yeah but yeah. it wasn't it was a different song and I was waiting for like the kick in mm-hmm. and it was completely different and I was like oh this song sounds really different and then the aircom ad or aircom ad song came on and I was like oh it was a different song Grimes does, some, Grimes does some great stuff she moves around I do like her quite a bit my excitement's waning a little bit and with this one I don't know I mean like when I first heard it it was like yeah this is awesome this is badass mm. this is cool and it's got elements that I really like like I like the guitars I like the propulsive beat to it I love yeah. the energy she sounds commanding on it and it's drenched in the kind of sonics that I would enjoy however because I enjoy those sonics I've heard it all before you know this sounds like a song that could have come it's out it's a Trent Reznor kind of vibe to not, it as well but even, even like like sidestepping him a little bit like this is very like it's new metal at times like I mean yeah, it is, yeah. so I've heard better versions of this and yeah Reznor is a good one but also not quite the Nine Inch Nails thing more the How to Destroy Angels thing that he's done with his wife Mara Queen Mandig and her vocals and just that kind of thing of like that kind of you know uh, mechanical and like machines kind of fighting each yeah, other. Yeah, and I it's was certainly good, but it's a bit stock. It's a it's a three out of five when it could have been a five out of five. And I'm concerned because I was never the most committed cyberpunk. So if mm. this is the new aesthetic, I have to deal with. I was pleased though. I felt like she could have been in danger of like a lot of artists have been from the kind of indie spectrum of fully embracing pop and people saying, "Oh, it's brave that they're just saying pop isn't a dirty word." I thought she might get a bit too simplistic, and I like that this is a bit challenging. And it's a bit too stitched together. It just it is. Yeah, the middle section. Also, like, if someone had have like played this to me and not told me when it was released or who it was, I genuinely could have seen this uh, being played over a Rocky Four montage. <laughs> Gen- <laughs> like, I think that this sa- this uh, this soundscape of this song yeah. is very like eighties, and well, I feel that it would have if you've never made really a, nicely. If you've never made a YouTube MV before, it's <laughs> yeah. a weekend project. Well, for I, you. yeah, like I think uh, as you were saying, like the melody on top of it, like when she's doing that. Abba-esque or it's kind of like J-pop to me combined with the new metal thing makes it interesting. So All right. I'm intrigued. All right. Yeah. Okay. Wrapping it up. Other listening corner, guys. This week, I've mostly been listening to uh, old 1975, pretty much. So, oh, Jesus. Uh, and there you go. Oh, no, no. It's not. No, hang on. <laughs> hang on. I'm wrong. I'm, I listened to two I'm things. stuck on the Blue Niles hats now. I, li- <laughs> <laughs> I listened to uh, some Girls Aloud when I was working in the office last week. That was fun. Listen They're to great. All they of their great. singles. And I listened to, because it turned 10 years of age, Kanye West's best album, 808s and Heartbreak. His 
fourth best. His best album, Craig. Why is it his to? best album? We've been over this. But I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not doing that now. The show is influential over. in a certain way, but it is far from his best album. Uh, stunning songs, incredible emotion. <laughs> we get a point. Really incredible brave emotion. Really it kind of, you connected with it. It's your, f- your favorite album. It's, it's, it's not it's, his best album. It's, it's, it's Craig, what have you been listening to? I've been listening to. I actually uh, went back to Twin Shadows album from this year, which we were kind of excited about, and well, maybe excitement's too strong word, but we were kind of intrigued, um, and then. It just kind of passed us by, but it is a good listen. Uh, it's called Care. Um, it's a bit ni- the 1975-ish in terms of it's not problematic, but it's very like it's so. What you're saying? <laughs> it's yeah. 80s. It's like those 80s influences. They're highly the twin shadow thing. Yeah. Um, and he goes on a run from there's an interlude called Rust, where it's probably his most kind of honest songwriting yet, and he kind of really steps it up. There's about three tracks towards the end, which are stunning. So that's about 12 minutes. You should check out. Cool. Uh, I've been listening to um, Luna, which is uh, Dean Wareham of Galaxy 500's uh, other band uh, that he started when Galaxy 500 uh, broke up. Um, I've mostly been listening to their album Penthouse from 1995, which has been... I do not know it. uh, you would actually okay. love I'm this album. And more. then at the very end, they do a pretty cool uh, cover of... Uh, the Serge Gainsbourg and Bridget Bardot song Bonnie and Clyde and it's really it's song. really 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 good I'm in yeah okay well we're out thank you very <laughs> much Sarah Hedeman for joining us this week thank you thank you to Woo! our oh! hey! <laughs> thank you to our sonic architect Eve Murray who's engineered this episode with love and care I will be off the show next week, but I'll be back soon, guys. Don't worry. I'll leave you in the capable hands of some very handsome gentlemen indeed. Uh, so, yeah, exit music this week. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Christmas, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's a bit of a melancholic time. People love it. I don't. That's fine. However, I recognize a good band and a good it's cause. It's like a rap rap. <laughs> <laughs> what? A rap. <laughs> However, I recognize a good band and a good cause when I see it. And that's why De Laurentos are here to close the show this week with their exit music. They, they put out an EP... Oh called Be Here Christmas Time. Three tracks on it. It all all proceeds of the sales of this EP go towards Focus Ireland. Very important charity, very important especially right now. So even if you hate Christmas, you know, just fucking buy it, you know. But it's good. They've done a good job because it's Delarentos. That's what they do. My name is David William Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Here's Delarentos. Go buy this EP. See you Come next week. Bye 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 bye. bye. With me tonight. I'll give you peace of mind And if you get cold I'll light a fire behind Your tired eyes Take off your heavy coat Tell me tales of the wind and snow
podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.